Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. The pandemic has thrust the human resources function centre stage. The pivotal role of the Chief People Officer in this crisis has been likened to that paid by the Chief Financial Officer during the global financial crisis. HR has thrived during this difficult time in organisations where the function is well-led, has strong senior stakeholder equity, has prioritised employee well-being, and has robust capability in people analytics. If anything, this has raised expectations on chief people officers even further. Can they and the functions they lead evolve at the pace necessary to deliver on the expectations of leaders and the workforce? I can't think of two better people to debate this topic than my guests on this special bonus episode. Ariana Huffington is the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, the founder of the Huffington Post and the author of 15 books, including most recently, Thrive and the Sleep Revolution. In 2016, Ariana launched Thrive Global, a leading behavior change tech company with the mission of changing the way we work and live by ending the collective delusion that burnout is the price we must pay for success. Ariana is joined by Donna Morris, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer for Walmart. A member of the Executive Committee, Donna is responsible for attracting, retaining and developing talent for one of the world's largest private employers. Donna joined Walmart just before the start of the pandemic from Adobe, where she served as Chief Human Resources Officer and Executive Vice President of Employee Experience. In our conversation, Ariana, Donna and I discuss how the role of the Chief People Officer has changed since the beginning of the pandemic. We look at what the impact of these increased expectations have had on Chief People Officers themselves. We examine the lessons in workforce agility Walmart has learned from hiring over 500,000 associates so far in the crisis and how they will carry these learnings forward. We look at how to adopt the mindset to find opportunity in ambiguity and why it's important that leaders set the tone. And we also look at what HR can do in 2021 and beyond to capture more value for the business. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested or involved in HR and how it can create value for the organisation and protect the health of its workforce. So that's business leaders, chief people officers and anyone in an organisational health, employee experience, people analytics or HR business partner role. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Gloat. Gloat's AI-powered talent marketplace allows enterprises to break down the silos, slowing them down and enables agile, future-ready workforces. Gloat matches employees with internal opportunities by autonomously aligning talent capabilities and aspirations with the needs of the business. As a result, managers gain frictionless access to untapped talent at speed, reducing their reliance on hiring externally while employees gain access to meaningful development opportunities and experiences, including projects, new full-time roles, mentorships, and more. The real-time data generated by the platform provides leaders with immediate visibility into the skills, aspirations, and availability of the workforce. Gloat pioneered the talent marketplace category and is trusted by some of the world's leading global enterprises today, including Unilever, Schneider Electric, Standard Chartered Bank, PepsiCo, Nestle, and many more. To find out more, visit gloat.com. That's G-L-O-A-T.com. So 
So today I'm delighted to welcome Ariana Huffington, founder and CEO of Thrive Global, and Donna Morris, the CHRO of Walmart, the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Thank you both for sharing your time and expertise with our listeners. Um, first of all, if you can provide our, our listeners with a brief introduction to your background and, and current role. So Ariana, if you'd like to go first. Thank you, David. It's great to be here with you and Donna. So I'm Ariana Huffington, and I founded Thrive um, four years ago. Um, after I saw the incredible toll that the stress and burnout epidemic were taking on hundreds of millions of people around the world. And I wanted a product and a company that would help people, communities, and companies uh, improve their physical, their emotional well-being, but do it in a way that was data-driven and rigorous. Uh, my goal was really to redefine the well-being category from being warm and fuzzy uh, to being data-driven and um, having a real impact on business metrics. Because otherwise, as we know, uh, it was seen as a nice-to-have rather than an essential element in a business. And of course, the timing you know, the well-being being really at the forefront of thinking at the moment over the last year. And Donna, I know it's at the forefront of your thinking in your role at Walmart. If you'd like to introduce yourself as well, please. Absolutely. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much, David. And I always be, feel like it's an honor to be with Ariana. So uh, thanks for having me. I feel very fortunate. I'm the chief people officer at Walmart. We um, are a company that's all focused on serving our customers so that they can save money and live better. And we have more than 2.2 million associates that are uh, really giving their service back to our customers on a daily basis. And so the entire topic of well-being, I don't think there's anything more important, particularly when we reflect upon the year that we've had with the pandemic, which continues, the civil unrest. Um, and really, when, you, when we think about well-being and when I think about it in terms of one of our strategic priorities, there's three core elements. There's the physical well-being of our people, there's the emotional well-being, and there's the financial well-being. And so all of those have key interplays. Well-being is one of four core priorities that we have for our people. We are focused on digital growth, inclusion, and well-being. And so delighted once again to be here. Well, it's wonderful. And of course, um, I know that you, you took on the role at Walmart just before the pandemic broke last year. So I guess it was a bit of a baptism for fire in, in many respects. It was. My timing was impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had spent uh, 18 years uh, with Adobe, fantastic software company, and prior to that in technology and other sectors. And I was at that point in time in my life where I really wanted to get into an industry that was driving digital transformation, which Walmart is doing and where people were really front and center. And that's what I found in Walmart. I was not prepared, however, to relocate and make so many life changes in what would end up being such an unprecedented year. But you know what? Um, any crisis provides an opportunity for change. And that's clearly what we've been navigating in this last year. Of course. Well, we're gonna start by looking at actually at the chief people officer, really, you know, and and 
even more so, I think, in the last 12, 15 months, you know, the Chief Peep Officer has been right in the spotlight, both externally, but also within the organization of the world, being at the center of many organizational responses to, to the pandemic and the other crises that have been happening around the world. Um, so, Donna, I'll start with you. So, he's certainly, as we said, it's been elevated during the pandemic. I think the economists liken the role of the Chief Peep Officer in this crisis to the role the CFO played in the financial crisis. Um, in 2008 to 2010. So maybe, Don, if we could start with you telling about how the role has evolved since the pandemic back began, what are some of the biggest challenges or opportunities that, that you've faced? Well, I think for most chief legal officers, it's been about business continuity, right? And that's meant different things to different companies and uh, based on sector. But here at Walmart, what really it's been about is this whole topic of well-being. How do we continue to serve our customers while keeping our associates well and physically safe, whether they're coming into a facility or they're working remotely? And, you know, we're a unique situation or scenario because the majority of our people have continued to go to their physical location throughout this entire pandemic. They've been in our distribution centers fulfillment centers, our stores and our clubs. So we've really had to, from the very first case of COVID that we had as an organization, we had to think about their physical safety, their emotional well-being, and then their financial well-being. And so if I look at my own role, that has really pivoted to be front and center. How are we going to continue to operate when we have different demands. It's meant standing up 24-hour hiring. We hired more than 500,000 people through a 24-hour mechanism so that we could actually continue to serve our customers and our communities. It's meant ensuring safeguards were in place for the physical wellness checks in all of our facilities. We worked very closely with Thrive you know, the vulnerabilities of both the physical well-being, but the emotional, the mental well-being. And I know Ariana can uh, share more, but we've really started a movement here at Walmart in terms of all of our associates taking time for their own personal well-being. Um, and that catalyst might not have happened if we didn't have this crisis. So I would say, if I was to describe the role of the chief people officer in the last year, it's been architect for the organizational design, the well-being of your people, and then the functioning of your business to continue to serve your customers and or your constituents. And, and let's hope that focus on well-being continues as we emerge out of the crisis, hopefully at, at some point during this year. So Ariana, from, from your perspective, you know, working with chief people officers in, in many organizations, as I know you do at Thrive, you know, how have the expectations shifted since the pandemic began and, and what has been the impact on the chief people officers that you've been working with? Well, first of all, David, you're absolutely right. You know, the chief people officer has become the most important executive next to the CEO because the well-being of employees is paramount uh, for the functioning of the business. And some CHROs have really risen to the occasion to rethink work generally, and Donna is one of them. Uh, it's been really inspiring working with her and her team um, across the world, both um, 
servicing those who are working from home and those on the front lines. That is so unique, really, about Walmart that um, you see here the importance of having well-being practices available for all populations. You know, well-being has tended to be um, focused much more on knowledge workers. And we've seen, you know, during the pandemic that those who've been defined as essential workers, like those who are um, serving communities as they do at Walmart in terms of essential needs, um, are actually at the forefront of this crisis and their well-being needs need to be addressed. So um, we've been able um, to really, frankly, use Walmart as a case study of what works and how you can bring together um, science-backed micro-steps, as we call them at, at Thrive, you know, small, daily, better choices that have a transformative impact on people's well-being. And that is so important, David, because traditionally we think of health and well-being in terms of New Year resolutions, big commitments we make to... Uh, go to the gym an hour a day or cut out sugar entirely. And of course, uh, within two or three weeks, we drop them and then feel ashamed and it's harder to get back on the horse. Our principle is based on these small incremental changes. And we've reached, we've reached hundreds of thousands of um, associates at Walmart. And the results are truly moving and inspiring to see how people can reverse diabetes and reduce uh, hypertension and uh, improve their relationship with their family and save money. Because what is really unique in, in the way uh, we approach our work is to approach the whole human. Yeah. Not a point solution, not like a meditation app or a sleep app or a food app. Because we are interconnected. So when we don't sleep, we crave bad carbs and sugars. Um, when we don't move, we are more likely to be depressed. So everything is connected. And um, the silver lining of this terrible year of grief and so many losses for millions of people is that we are having this once-in-a-generation opportunity to rethink work and to rethink the way we live so that we avoid the stress and burnout epidemic and the mental health crisis that frankly predate the pandemic. Um, they became worse during the pandemic, but they were there beforehand. And now we have an opportunity to address them and use this crisis as a catalyst for fundamental change. Yeah, and I guess as you said, it's it's um, rather than these big news resolutions that we all make and break, as you said, quite quickly. Um, it's those small incremental changes, behavioural changes that create good habits and actually actually have a big benefit. Even if it's a small change, it can have a big benefit, I guess, in in, in the long run. And you're more likely to stick to it, which I think is the the key thing. So, so Ariana, you've written previously that that companies, and I'm going to I'm reading here because I'm quoting you from the from the article. Um, the companies need to do more than just put in place organizational strategies and efficiencies for collaborating remotely. The companies need to pay as much attention to the human element as they do to advanced technologies. Um, can you expand a little bit on that? And, you know, and how has the 
organizational responsibility for the employee change and and what does HR and, and chief people officers and their teams, what do they need to have to do in order to support people in a way that is fit for the emerging environment? Well, David, they need not only to put these strategies in place, but to model them. And um, I, I was thrilled when... Uh, when Donna wrote about the micro steps that she has introduced in her life, you know, replacing some of her Diet Cokes with water, um, doing 30 minutes of some kind of movement a day. Um, you know, these things are transformational in a culture where people are looking up to the CHRO for cultural permission. You know, companies may say, we want you to take care of yourself, so we want you to put your own oxygen mask on first, but people are looking to see, do they mean it? So we've now worked with um, over 11,000 um, managers and store leaders um, and those who are working from home generally at Walmart, and it's all started from the top from Donna's leadership, modeling these new practices, and uh, then writing or telling their own stories. So storytelling has been a big part of transformational change, and we are encouraging CHROs everywhere to tell their stories. At Accenture, for example, Ellen Shook wrote about how she started um, walking every day and the difference that made, not just to her own well-being, but to her clarity of thinking and to her ability to be empathetic. Because as Donna knows, right now, CHROs are not just doing maintenance. Um, they have to navigate constant change and help their teams build the resilience needed to navigate constant change. And they have to... Uh, create inclusive cultures, uh, create cultures of belonging, and inclusivity, belonging, creativity are the first things that go when we are running on empty. As you said, it's setting that example, I guess, as well. So, you know, if, it, if the leaders in companies aren't taking holiday, for example, or time off, then, then, then the people that work for them feel pressurized that they can't do it as well. So it's, it's as you said, leaders set the culture. I think it's really important. So to Donna, let's talk a little bit about the workforce agility over the last year that, you know, as you said, Walmart has hired over half a million new associates, which is a quite phenomenal figure um, since the pandemic began and people have redeployed their skill sets from heavy hit industries like tourism, travel and hospitality into, into areas where workforce demand has increased. You know, what lessons in workforce agility have you learned over the last year and, and how will you carry these learnings forward post-pandemic, do you think? I think um, one of the biggest is work can be done differently in different places. And that, that even is in our stores. So let me use the front line as an example. Um, given the pandemic, all of a sudden there were needs for uh, curbside pickup. There was needs for delivery. And our frontline associates went from doing their their customary jobs to doing entirely new jobs. I mean, we re-architected our Walmart US frontline, 485,000 associates have new roles, they have new pay, 
those roles, speaking of well-being, actually have them traversing the store on a much regular basis because all of a sudden the demands for personal shoppers really increased mm -hmm. because many of our customers were no longer wanting to go to the store, but they were very comfortable getting curbside pickup or delivery. None of that, David, that existed in our minds that we were going to go in that direction. But in the last year, we've demonstrated the ability to increase speed, productivity, and innovation. And I think it requires you to be bold. I would say that some of the things we've learned is 80-20. Is it 80% correct and 20% not? Then let's try it because if that can actually lead us to a better solution, 24-hour hiring is a perfect example. It was driven by technology. The team had been looking at it and it was going through all of these onerous reviews. And it was like, we've got to start hiring people really quickly to support our customers. And lo and behold, we were able to roll it out. And you know what? It was 80% right. And we were able to tweak it. So I guess I use those examples to illustrate that Things don't need to be perfect to try them. If you believe that it's a good solution for the constituent, whether that be an employee or a customer, you should try it. So that's one. Two is, I think we had old notions on where work got done or how work got done. You know, in the store, the old notion was customers are going to come in, they're going to get their items and they're going to leave. And what we learned was, no, customers can be just as likely to use their mobile device select yeah. their goods and have them delivered or shipped. So that changes the way of work. For those associates that worked in campus offices, we've demonstrated that they can also get work done online at home and they don't need to be coming into the office. What all of this demonstrates is the ways of working are I think permanently changed. We've got to reconstitute how we think we're going to work regardless of industry, there will be new expectations. So that's one. Two, to the point on well-being, it's not going away. It's going to be an imperative. People are going to say, the, and a competitive advantage as an employer will be, do you care about your people enough to have programs that really allow them to integrate work and life so they can be their best version of themselves? And if you do, you're going to be able to attract and retain and hopefully optimize the performance of your company more effectively to do that. So I think that's something that's changed. And what underbeds it is technology, right? We have more data, more insights, more ability to actually leverage technology like never before. But let's uh, use technology to really enable humans to do their human work and technology to do work that's repeatable, um, that's actually, frankly, work that could be redundant by virtue of the fact that technology can do that and we can automate it. Yeah, and I know from seeing um, some of the stuff that you've done in, it's particularly in recruiting and, and developing um, associates at, at Walmart, I saw some uh, pr presentation of using VR um, to develop yeah. staff at, at Walmart, at the Walmart, at the Walmart People Analytics Conference a couple of years ago, it was amazing. And I know you've got a, a large uh, and very um, successful people analytics function as well uh, at Walmart. We're actually going to talk a little bit about how you've used technology at Walmart now. And it's the second part of the, um, the, the, the kind of this discussion in partnership, obviously, with Ariana and Thrive as well. So, so Ariana, I'll start with you. The, the, you know, the increasing ad, 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 adaptability required of workers today can seem pretty daunting, I think, to, to the individual. 
you know, what can we all do to adopt a fresh mindset to help find opportunity in, in ambiguity? Well, David, um, you mentioned the right word, mindset. What we are finding in all our work and all the leadership journeys we've launched at Walmart, the first thing we work on is shifting mindsets. Because all of us um, were brought up on the mindset that in order to be super successful and amazing at our jobs, we need to power through exhaustion, be always on, sacrifice ourselves and our own health. That's how we're all brought up. I mean, I can tell my own story of collapsing. I'm sure Donna has her own stories. There's truly no leader who has not been through some manifestation of the price we pay for this delusion. Well, now we have an enormous amount of new science that shows unequivocally that for the human operating system, unlike machines and software, downtime is a feature, not a bug. And we also see that with athletes. You know, we admire athletes. And we see that for athletes, recovery is part of peak performance. Tom Brady would not have won um, a Super Bowl in his 40s if he had not been taking care of his body and his emotional health the way he has been doing and writing and speaking about it. So we are at this amazing moment where we can have a science-based, data-driven transformation. And what makes me most optimistic is some of the new neuroscience that shows that while stress is unavoidable, there is nobody who can look to their employees and say, hey, I promise you a stress-free existence here. But cumulative stress is avoidable, and it's cumulative stress that's the killer. So we've um, created these interventions called RESET. It's on our app. It's 60-second interventions during the day when you are feeling stressed, uh, to breathe, to stretch, to remember what you're grateful for, or in the app, you can create your own reset based on the things that give you joy. You know, with Donna, it could be her son, Kyle, and her dog, Holly, and all the flowers she posts on Instagram that are definitely a joy trigger for me. Uh, for you, David, it could be your kids, you know, all the things you love in your life. And in 60 seconds, you can play that with your favorite quotes, your favorite music, and suddenly, you literally scientifically move from the sympathetic fight-or-flight mode to your parasympathetic nervous system in 60 seconds. So we've turned that into um, what we call Thrive Calls, which are interventions in call centers. We've tried that at Walmart, and the data is amazing. You know, Walmart chose to have these interventions if a call was longer than 20 minutes, which meant it was particularly stressful. And that um, intervention basically says, thank you for the work you are doing for Walmart. Now take 60 seconds for yourself to stretch, to be grateful, to breathe. And the small interventions during the day remind us of our humanity and help us course correct. And that's really, I feel, one of the big changes that's going to outlast the pandemic. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I certainly know exhaustion. I've 
um, just been co-authoring a book. We just submitted the manuscript. And let's just say the last two weeks were quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ariana, before I come to you, Donna, because I really want to hear about some of the work that you've been doing together at, at Walmart. We've talked a little bit about this, Ariana, but how important is it that leaders demonstrate these behaviours to the workforce for the benefit, not just of themselves, but of the organisation? Critical. If you go to our app um, as a Walmart associate, you're going to see amazing stories from other associates, both their peers and leaders in the organisation. If you go to the app at... Verizon or Levi's or any of the other companies we are working with, you are going to see stories from their peers and their leaders because nothing moves the needle more than hearing from the people you are working with, the people you look up to. And um, we are finding these small stories of what people are doing, like uh, I've started turning off my phone at night and charging it outside my bedroom. Um, I stopped doing that four days later, you know, basically also recognizing that we are all imperfect. So we don't want leaders to to sound like, hey, I I got that nailed. Uh, We are working with them. Um, one of Donna's leaders, Nabila Ekstabalan, who runs HR um, in Canada, and she's a truly amazing leader. And she talks all the time, I'm a work in progress. I'm a lifelong learner. So you encourage these qualities in your organizations. And the last thing I want to say here that's been very much part of our work together is um, defining uh, upskilling to go beyond specific skills to include skills of resilience, empathy, inclusivity. The softer skills yeah. are now more important than ever. Great. So, Donna, I'll come turn to you, and I'm conscious we've got about six minutes talking, so I'm going to keep this my, my time short. So, on the work that you've been doing with, with Ariana and Thrive Global, you know, why don't you tell us more about the work from, from your perspective? You know, how many employees has this been rolled out to? Are there any specific outcomes or results results that you can share? Well, you know, the exciting thing with Walmart is we are so sizable that when you start, and I'll call it a movement, when you start a movement, you directly and indirectly literally touch hundreds of thousands. And that's what we've experienced. So I'll use the global people team. I was very fortunate to have Ariana join us, um, 4,000 people in global people across geographies. We start every global town hall, which is every second week now with a wellness moment. That's someone getting up, sharing what they're doing specific to their well-being. It could be something physically, emotionally, it could be financially. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Thrive. So you're probably saying, well, what does that mean? I can tell you the retention rate of talent across Walmart is right now extremely strong. Why? Because people know we care. They know that it's not just what they're doing, it's how they're doing it. And they know that the organization is focused on the associate experience. I believe that one of the biggest, uh, you know, I'll call it returns on investment is reinforcing the importance of people to your organization. Um, I'll use my own uh, direct report team as an example. We meet every Friday morning, it's 15 minutes. We call them the breathe session. One of Ariana's team members 
really reinforced for us the importance of sharing so that we could be accountability coaches to each other, but also the importance of breathing. And some of my team members, frankly, shared that sometimes they couldn't even really catch their breath. Now, that wasn't necessarily my my challenge. Maybe it's because I talk so much I'm breathing at the same time. <laughs> but for myself, it was all about activity. Like, was I doing something other than working all the time? Was I actually getting out, taking a, um, a walk or jumping on my Peloton, et cetera. So those Friday morning quick, it's basically round robin. Everybody shares. And if somebody's falling off and they're not doing, we're, we basically reinforce, you know what? Let's hope this weekend you sleep better or let's, and we do it Friday deliberately so that the weekend you can always do a reboot, right? A reset. To Ariana's great point, then you can use Thrive. I tend to share socially across a few different forums because if not everybody is onto the Thrive Yet app, I want to make sure that they also know whether it be on LinkedIn or whether it be on Instagram, et cetera. Um, an aspect of it as well is frankly about trust, humility, and authenticity. Those are all aspects of our culture. And so if people can see that I'm keeping it real then they can be real too. And so David, I believe it's a big part of culture and you measure your culture by the outcomes that you're trying to drive. We had a very demanding year at Walmart last year, but we also had one of our stronger years of performance to deliver to our customers. And I believe that's because we have exceptional people and that we're continuing to focus on how we support them. Well, great. Well, we're coming sadly to the end of our conversation. I think we could probably all talk for a bit longer and really get really get into some detail here. So we're going to finish with a quick fire round before I, I'll then ask you to, to how people can keep in touch with you. So Ariana, first, um, what is the one thing the chief chief officer can do in 2021? And let's go beyond 2021 to really capture value for the for the business? Well, first of all, we are all beginning to realize now that 2021 and beyond, um, the people experience, which is what CHROs are in charge of, is going to be the key driver of business performance. And now the C-suite and boards, it's beyond the C-suite, are recognizing that. So all all the issues that Donna and um, her counterparts in other companies have been dealing with are now on the CEO's desk. They're discussed by boards, and that's a huge shift. The SEC um, has, for the first time in years, uh, asked companies to report on what they are doing for their human capital beyond uh, reporting how many they have. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another huge difference. And so the most important thing CHROs can do is uh, prioritize this culture of um, physical and emotional well-being and model it. That's going to be key because cultural transformations don't happen without modeling and storytelling and basically external marketing. So it's no longer a question of here is another benefit for you. You know, we'll pay based on utilization. Here it is. No. Now, to have a real cultural transformation, it requires internal marketing and then external marketing. Because as Donna said, right everywhere uh, on LinkedIn, on social media, what you are doing, first of all, the people who work for you, 
feel inspired and proud. And the people who don't work for you may want to work for you. So it's a great recruitment tool and a great opportunity to establish the company and the leader as a thought leader. Yeah. And and Donna, you know, what can you and your peers as, as chief people officers, what you know, what would you add to what Ariana said around how you can capture that value for the business and obviously for the workforce as well? So I think ultimately our roles in HR, the people function, are to enable business success through people. And you you can't have business success if you're not able to really um, accomplish your talent priorities and underlying them in my mind at this point in time, what's changed is the pandemic made us all vulnerable and well-being is going to be at the forefront. So, you know, I would reinforce exactly what Ariana said is if you're in the people function, you need to be authentic. You need to be accessible. And frankly, you need to be the champion for the well-being of your people. What a perfect way to, to, to end it. So, Thank you so much, both of you, Ariana and Donna, for being on the show, uh, for being on the show. Ariana, how can people stay in touch with you? They can stay in touch with me by coming to thriveglobal.com, going on LinkedIn or Instagram, like Donna. I like to share uh, everything I'm thinking and doing on multiple platforms to reach people where they are. And same, same, Donna. Absolutely. I am on LinkedIn, so please follow me. And I'm also on Instagram and uh, share many of the passions that Ariana has in terms of well-being. And thank you so much for having us. Well, and thank you. And thank you both for what you do for the community and sharing your work and, and what you do as well. I think the, you know, well-being is, seems to be the, the top topic in business and certainly in people at the moment. And I think with people like you driving it will stay that way. So thank you very much uh, for being on the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. It's great seeing you both, you all. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the My HR Future website. That's all for this episode. We'll be taking a short break, but we'll be back soon with Series 13. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.